0: The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams from the service already in progress. This is our heart's cry. Lord, draw us closer than ever before. Take us into that secret place. For he who dwells under the shadow of the Most High, he who dwells in that secret place of the Most High, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Glory to God. And I trust that with each awakening day, you feel closer to the Lord because, you know, every day is a good day. This is why I always loves quoting from Psalms 118. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is a good day. Let me say it again. Every day is a good day if you're six feet above ground. And if you're still here, that means God is not finished with you yet. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for his goodness and his mercy that endureth forever. I want to encourage you, and, and I need to keep saying this over and over again. Beloved, the pandemic has not ended. Let me say it again. The COVID-19 pandemic has not ended. Ended. However, it is under control, but it's being threatened with many variations and mutations. And you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Get your shot. Get your shot. You have a spot. Get your shot. Choose life. I was just reading a report from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. And there was a very startling, fact, they reported out that over the last month, 100% of those that have died from the COVID-19 virus, 100% now, hear me. One hundred percent of them did not have the vaccination. I mean, that's bad in one thousand. The enemy, even though he's an invisible enemy, he isn't playing. And so, those that have not received the vaccine are vulnerable. And it's up to me to stand on the wall and sound the alarm, to cry loud and spare not. You need to get the shot. Choose life that you and your descendants, your loved ones, might live. Glory to God. This morning, as we go into the word of the Lord, I want to begin by quoting to you from one of the Psalms of David in Psalms 30. The 30th Psalms, verse 5. There the psalmist said, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping, may do it for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Did you hear that? Let, let, me, let me just hit you with that again. For his anger. Yes, God gets angry at us. For his anger is but for a moment. Thank God his anger isn't enduring. It only lasts for a moment. His favor is for life. His favor is for a lifetime. Some people say, well, favor ain't fair. I'm telling you that favor is fair. Favor is just, favor is right for those who believe in the Lord. There's nothing unfairness about favor. It's part of your inheritance in the Lord. His favor is for life. Notwithstanding all of that, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And that's what I want to use for a subject this morning. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning and let me begin by asking you a question is the COVID pandemic God's judgment for sin or is it a warning of a greater judgment to come? You need to think about that. Is God angry at the world? Is God angry at his church? Even if he were, anger is like a shot given by the doctor. The discomfort is only for a moment, but the good effects of that shot can last a lifetime. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's anger can also be like a sharp pain to warn us to turn from our wicked ways. Isn't that what God said to Solomon at the dedication of the temple? In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, God said to Solomon, If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive your sin and heal your land. Can you say amen? So, notwithstanding the fact that God's favor is for a lifetime, our day can be turned into night. And this is the the whole import of verse five in the Psalms to warn us that your day can be turned into night. But when your day is turned into night, if you seek the Lord, turn from your wicked ways, then it's favors for a lifetime. Never forget that. I don't care what you're going through, how you're feeling, how far you feel, you have slipped into a valley or into a dark place. Just remember, God's favor is for a lifetime. And even if your day has been turned to tonight. Hold on, beloved, because joy comes in the morning. Did you hear that? Uh-huh. Joy comes in the morning. Let's take a step back and examine why God gets angry. See, we don't like to talk about this, but God does get angry. Perhaps God's been angry with you, me, and others. But why does God get angry? We need to understand that our God gets angry. He just doesn't stay angry. And we're told to do the same thing. At least that's what the apostle Paul told the Ephesian Christians. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, he says, be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. It isn't a sin to get angry because God gets angry. It is a sin to stay angry because God will not stay angry so you don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But why does God get angry? You know, as I thought about this, I said, well, let me go to the first mention, the first mention in the Word of God, in the Bible, where God actually got angry. And you'll find that in Exodus chapter 4, When God got angry with Moses in Exodus chapter 3 God appeared to Moses he appeared to Moses on the backside of the mountain out there in the desert and he called Moses he called Moses from a burning bush a bush that burned with flames but it was not consumed God spoke to Moses out of that bush And he says, Moses, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to go to Egypt and bring my people out of Egypt. I'm calling you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I've heard their cry. I've seen their oppression. And I'm sending you to to Pharaoh to tell him, let my people go. And I want you to go to Egypt and gather the elders of Israel and let them know that I have sent you. But Moses began to raise objection after objection. I need you to follow this. huh? I want to show you how, why God gets angry with us. Huh? I remember as a young professional working for IBM in sales and marketing, They sent me to Dallas, Texas for one month of training. And during that one month of training, much time was spent on how to overcome objections. In other words, when a prospect or or a would-be customer, when they're thinking no, they taught us how to overcome their objection that supported that no. We knew the same thing with God. God wants us to do this, that, or the other. God has a purpose, a plan, and a will for our lives, and we're constantly raising objections to God. When you raise an objection against what God is saying, that makes God angry. So God told Moses, you go to the elders, gather them, and tell them that the Father of your God The father of Abraham, the father of Isaac, and the father of Jacob has sent you. And Moses raised another objection. He says, Well, I don't even know your name. Mm -hmm. Who shall I say sent me? God, God said, Just tell him I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. That wasn't enough for Moses. Moses said, Well, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. But Lord, can't you find a better man to send to me? Then in Exodus chapter four, verse 14, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why was the anger of the Lord kindled against Moses? Because Moses raised objections to what God wanted for himself and for the children of Israel. This is why God gets angry with us. When we know our purpose, when we know the plan God has mapped out for our lives, when we know the will of the Lord, and yet we disobey God and we raise objections, we make excuses while we can't do what thus says the Lord, it will kindle the anger of the Lord against us. That was the first time that God ever got angry because somebody stood between his purpose, his plan, and his will not only for their lives but for the lives of those who were oppressed. God says, I'm angry about this. You want me to find a better man. Many of you think the same way. You think that God should choose somebody else. There has to be somebody else better than me to do this that's why God chose you. You are uniquely made in the sight of the Lord. God chose you because nobody can do it but you. Oh. You may say somebody can do it better. God done not want it done better. God wants it done the way you'll do it. That's right. Come on. We're just raising objections against the Lord and wonder why God is angry at us. Well, that was God getting angry at an individual. Then I looked at Isaiah 54 how God got angry at a nation. In Isaiah chapter 54, beginning at verse 6, here the Lord will express his anger toward the nation Israel because of their unrighteousness. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 6 says, For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a lustful, like a youthful wife when you were refused, when you were abandoned, when you were rejected, says the Lord. Then God goes on to say for a mere moment, for a mere moment, I have forsaken you. God will never forsake you forever. The same way he forsook Jesus on the cross. He only forso- say, he only forsook Jesus momentarily when he took on our sins upon his own body. For a mere moment I have forsaken you and with great mercies I will gather you. God says with great mercies even though I forsook you for a small moment but with great mercies I'm going to take you back. That's what God is saying. You're my wife and I'm going to take you back. Verse 8, with a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your God. This is the attitude of God. If you're going to be disobedient to God, if you're going to raise objections to doing the will of God, God says, you're my wife. And if you're going to be that way, then I'm going to reject you as my wife. But my rejection would only be momentarily. Because I'm going to gather you back. I'm going to take you back. I'll forsake you just for a moment. Because my mercies are just too great. With great mercies, I'll gather you. I'll take you back. Even though you've been an unfaithful wife. So in anger, God forsook Israel. Just as a man will forsake his unfaithful wife. We need to understand that God wants to show the mercies of God. This is what David was talking about in the 30th Psalm. He was talking about no matter how angry God may get with us, it's only going to last for a moment because his his favor has been promised to us for life. You have favor for life. You have favor for life. I have favor for life all because of the mercies of the Lord. What are the mercies of the Lord? Isn't that what he told Israel? But with great mercies, I'll gather you. So what are the mercies of the Lord? This word mercy, this word mercy means favor and kindness. Let me say it again. God says, even if I get angry with you, my anger is going to last for a moment, then I'm going to gather you. I'm going to take you back. And I'm gonna show you my favor and my kindness. And I'm gonna do it every day, God says. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 says that the mercies of the Lord are renewed every morning. Did you hear that? We sing a song sometime about the steadfast love of the Lord. Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are renewed every morning. Every morning you wake up, every morning you get out of bed, and your feet hit the floor. God says, I want to show you my mercies. I want to show you favor. I want to show you kindness. This is why every day is a good day because this day is the day that God wants to favor me, that God wants to be kind to me. His love never ceases. Favor is absolutely fair. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, when he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, They gave to him the book of the prophet Isaiah and Jesus found the place, Isaiah 61, where God had said these words and Jesus said them in the hearing of all. As Jesus began to read from the book of the prophecy of Isaiah, Jesus stood there and he told the hearers, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Then he said, for this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing For this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Don't miss that. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is the year of God's favor. So whatever year you're living in, this is your acceptable year of the Lord. This is your year of favor. Because his moment, his his anger is only but for a moment. His favor is for your lifetime. Weep in me and do it for a night. But joy comes in the morning. And unlike what the psalmist said in another place, Psalm 63, verse 3, he says that God's favor is better than life. Better than life. In other words, what kind of life could you live and what would be the quality of your life that you could live without God's favor? Think about it. What would my life be without God's favor? Huh? This is why Psalm 63, verse 3 says, Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless you. I will lift up my hands unto your name. Favor is better than life itself. A lot of people have physical life, they inhale. They exhale, they have a heartbeat, pulse rate, I should say a respiration rate, but they're the walking dead because they don't have the favor of God. But God will chasten us. He chastened whom he loves. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 12 tells us, because God loves me, he will show his anger toward me so that I can avail myself of his lifetime promise of favor. Now stay with me, notwithstanding God's favor, notwithstanding God's favor, he already said favor is for for a lifetime. Jesus said, I have come to give you that life and life more abundantly, notwithstanding the promise of a lifetime of favor, the psalmist went on to say in Psalms 30 verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What was David talking about? David knew firsthand about what he was writing. God chastised David. David. Hmm? He chastised David for his adultery. Remember that? Mm -hmm. He chastised David for his conspiracy to murder. Mm -hmm. He chastised David for his pride and numbered the people. And his chastisement was to afflict David and his kingdom with nothing but turmoil and many woes. Mm -hmm. David was on the run like an animal being hunted or hunting his prey. David fell, but God continued to love David. God continued to favor David, but David weeped for a night. But he says, joy is coming in the morning. How long is the night? I'm not talking about 12 hours. Your night could be one night. Your night could be one week. Your night could be a month and some people been living in the darkness of the light of the night for years. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's your night. But when you come to the realization that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're surrounded by, God loves you so much. And even if he got angry at you, it was only for a moment. Because his favor is for a lifetime. So go ahead And weep for a night. Because you know joy is coming in the morning. Huh? Weeping. Weeping. Did you ever have to weep about anything? Oh, I've been through some things. Some things made me cry like a baby. But I thank God that joy came in the morning. Huh? You know, weeping through the night. Let me give you a picture of what weeping is like of you have driven through for example the tunnels of West Virginia or some of the tunnels out west you know these tunnels that go for at least a mile or more through a mountain weeping is like passing through a dark tunnel but there's a light at the end of that tunnel do you hear what I'm saying at the end of that tunnel is life you've been going through a dark tunnel of grief, a dark tunnel of suffering. But at the end of that tunnel, your joy is coming. The light at the end of the tunnel speaks of joy. This is what Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Beatitudes, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be Comforted, blessed, even when you're going through, you're still blessed, even in the midnight hour, you're still blessed. Weeping man, do it for a night, you're still blessed, and that's why joy is coming in the morning, huh? So, night David is using in our foundation scripture when he says, Weeping man, do it for a night, night is a metaphor. Night is a metaphor for darkness, a metaphor for grief, mourning, sorrow, suffering, tests and trials. We've all been there. And when we were going through, when we're in pain about anything, we were going through a night. But thank God, joy comes in the morning. Morning is also a metaphor. Morning is a metaphor for light, light, even though you're in a dark place. just look up, you'll see light. Look up. Stop looking down. Lift your head and look up. Lift your head and look up and you'll see light. Morning is a metaphor for light. Morning is a metaphor for new hope and new expectation. Morning is a metaphor for a new beginning and the joy. Of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hmm? Psalms 30, verse 11, God says, I'll turn your morning into dancing. I'll turn your morning into dancing. Why? For my anger is only for a moment, my favor is for a lifetime. That's all right if you're weeping, it's all right if you find yourself in the night because weeping may endure for a night, but in the morning, in the morning, God says, in the morning. Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.com. Dot net. 1430 South New Hope Road Agape Word Fellowship